Almighty God. We're so glad we can come aside from the hustle and bustle and noise of this world. And we can come and hear from your living word. Speak to us. Lord, you know the need in each one of our hearts. We pray that our hearts would be prepared not only to hear, but also to obey. That that seed could penetrate and bring forth fruit. Lord, you know that there are many who are not with us. There are many who would like to be with us and are prevented by sickness and old age. And we just pray that you would be with them and encourage them and strengthen them. And Father, we pray also for those who are choosing to or distracted. We just pray that you would draw them back with cords of love. Father, we are thankful and we look forward and we want to submit our hearts. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's turn together to the book of Psalms. It's right in the middle of the Bible. Psalms 46, the 46th Psalm. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Salah. There is a river, the streams whereof make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her, and that right early. The heathen raged, the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice, the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Come, behold the works of the Lord, what desolations he hath made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. God bless the reading of his word.
Let's kneel for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, what a blessing it is to be able to come into thy house today to worship thee, to go into this moment of stillness in this room, to gather around thy word with those who love to hear it. What a treasure it is that has been preserved for us, this word of thine, that in a world turned upside down, we can go to the rock that is higher than we are, the one to whom we can cling, the one that we can build on, and know that there have been other tempests, there have been other difficulties, there have been other pandemics throughout the history of this world, and yet thy word is endured. And these very same words that we have read together this morning have granted both comfort and hope to many that have gone before us. We're so thankful for these psalms that are a precious reflection of praise of the heart of men of God from the past who have looked to thee. And so, Heavenly Father, we want to do that now also. We want to find that peace and stillness that comes only from thee and from a faith that understands that all things are in thy hands and that nothing escapes thy notice. We thank thee for this time together, Heavenly Father. We ask for thy blessing to be upon those who could not gather with us today, those that are away from our assembly this morning, uh, whether on vacation or because they are uh, sick or, or going through difficulties. Heavenly Father, thou dost know. We know there are many that have chronic conditions as well that we're aware of, our brothers and sisters that uh, have been prevented from gathering with us for various reasons. We want to also pray for those that are grieving the loss of loved ones, Heavenly Father. We know there are many that have gone on to their reward and left behind a, a hole. Heavenly Father, we know that there will one day be a great reunification with thee around thy throne where we will gather with the saints of all the ages to praise and glorify thee forever. Heavenly Father, be with our brother now as he would speak thy word unto us. Grant him inspiration and words from thee that the things that he would share with us from thy word would be for the betterment of our souls and also for uh, strengthening of our minds and, and, and hearts that we may be refreshed by the reading and meditation and ready to face whatever may lie ahead. We pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week was a blessing that a few of us were able to go up north and we portaged past the lakes full of, you know, a little bit, little bit more commotion, maybe a motorboat or two, and just kind of leave all that chaos behind. And it was a blessing, actually, that uh, I forgot my cell phone on the tailgate gate of size car and so there was absolutely no connection to the outside world and uh, we just had to live off of whatever we carried on our backs and we carried a little bit too much but we, we lived quite nicely but um, 
it was a blessing to have that peace. And then, you know, it's not till, till we came back on Monday and, you know, realized there's pandemic raging and there are problems and, and so many anxiety producing things on my newsfeed, you know, you, you just, one thing after the other. And it was such a blessing to be disconnected from all of that anxiety-inducing stream of, of noise and to be still and know that he is God. And that's the opportunity that we have this morning, dear brother and sister and, and friend, that we can come aside and we can be still. Beauty of still water, if you're able to get, you know, away from the chaos and, and you see the still water and, it re, and it's really amazing when it reflects all the grandeur of the creation around it, the, the trees, the mountains, the, the sky, the sunset, just seeing that reflected in the water just multiplies the beauty that you're, you're taking in and the fact that the water is still enough to reflect that. If you ever have a chance, that is good for my soul. And in our own souls, it takes an intentional choice to, to let the waters of your soul be still. To protect it. And in some ways, you know, with the pandemic and, you know, Sunday almost doesn't seem different than other days as, as it's in front of uh, a device instead of gathering together here. And it's easy to, to fill more things into our life. In some ways, I think my life is, is more harried and pressured than it was before two years ago. And you really have to choose to be still and to hear the still, small voice that we can only hear when we are quiet. For that reason, God, who knows how we're made, because he made us, he designed us, set aside a time where we can come together and we can dedicate a day apart from all the work. Work is good. Work is healthy. Work was part of, of, the, of uh, paradise before the fall that Adam worked the, the uh, garden and, and, and cultivate and, and, and to see things flourish, to, to have an idea, to create and to see that grow. It's all beautiful and good thing, but it was important even for God, the initial creator, to stop after six days 
and to have a day of rest and stillness to reflect. And as a result, he said that it was good for me, for you, to be still and to reflect. The danger is when we think that it's up to us and our efforts and our work to try to, to protect and to, to control, then we get very anxious because we realize, you know, maybe once you get past those invincible teen years, you realize that you're actually not in control of a lot of things you care about. You're not in control of disease. You're not in control of a lot of things about the health of your body. There, there, may, there are things you can control in your diet, your exercise, your sleep, that's good. But even if you do those things, you're not guaranteed health. In fact, we know sooner or later, your body will break down. You will face decay. You don't want to think about it. But now that you know, both my parents and my in-laws are facing failing health, it's kind of in your face as you see the decline from day to day. Our bodies won't last forever, and we can't control that. People have been trying to prevent that for, for millennia, but we're not in control. And then we have a pandemic to remind us that we're not in control of our health. And like I said, there's so many anxiety-producing things, you know. We're not in control of the climate, and it, which is changing. We're not in control of, you know, uh, wildfires and, and uh, crime and uh, chaos in society and the change of Western cultures, the decay of, you know, Western Christianity. The, you know, there's all kinds of things going on, trends that if you think about it and you focus on it and you and ensure whatever you look on in your newsfeed, it kind of shows you three more. And uh, you, you'll make sure that you'll never run out of things to keep your eyeballs pasted to your device. And that you can you can be concerned about because you're not really in control of these things and they could negatively impact you and those that you love and, and your, the future generations. And in fact, the statistics show that those who've studied it, that anxiety is up four times uh, in America and, and double in the UK, that 40% that of Americans report, you know, being anxious as opposed to 11% uh, a couple years ago. And what's God's answer to all of that? We've read together. God is our refuge and strength. 
a very present help in trouble. It doesn't say there will be no trouble. It doesn't say God will keep all trouble away from you. That if you believe in God, you won't have trouble. That's not what it says. Let's read it again. God is our refuge. What is a refuge? It's a place you can go to when you're in trouble and you will feel safe and protected. You know, the, we build a, a run-in shed for the horses and when the elements hit, they can go in there and find refuge from the wind and, and the rain. You know, we built a tent and then we built a tarp because we needed refuge because it was raining. And when you're under that refuge, you feel dry and comfortable and, and you are no longer threatened. And you can feel safe. A refuge requires your choice to seek refuge. The, the, the tent can be there, the tarp can be there, and I can be sitting out in the middle of the lake inviting lightning strikes. Just because the refuge is there doesn't mean I'm safe. But God is our refuge. And when we seek refuge, he will protect us. God is our strength. We can come to a point we feel overwhelmed. Again, because why is there anxiety? Why is there a sense of being overwhelmed? Because our strength is not equal to the challenge of our circumstances. But when God is our strength, then we have sufficient strength to face the challenge. He is not going to run out. He is not going to be uh, unequal to the challenge. Again, we can lean on his strength. We may need to choose to rely on his strength. When I choose to rely on my strength, then I'm in trouble. A very present help in trouble. I really like that description. A very present help. Yes, there is trouble, but God is present with us. And his presence, as we go through, you know, the Psalm 23, probably the most famous psalm, right? And, and as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Because God is with me, I can be in the most dangerous of circumstances. I can be in the midst of a loss of job and a loss of loved ones and a loss of, of control and a loss of, of worldwide stability and I can still feel safe because he is with me. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. 
course, as a young person, you know, that's probably the, the point I focused, you know, the point of danger and excitement. But you go to back to the beginning of that psalm. He leadeth me beside still waters. Maybe as a young person, you don't appreciate the need for stillness. The chaos is in getting inside. You want to create some chaos, maybe. When you have seen enough chaos in this world, and you know that there is no end, and your strength is not equal, you appreciate the still waters. It was essential for the, the lamb, the sheep, to have those still waters. They couldn't drink from the running stream. The shepherd had to make it a dam to make that a still water, that reflecting pool. And we have that still water here. We have the still water, the deep waters, the unending waters, though the, there is a river, the streams whereof make glad the city of God. The very throne of God is the source of that stream, healing stream that proceeds and brings life. In Ezekiel's description, in, in the last chapel of Revelations, we see this descriptive, this powerful life-giving stream coming from God himself. Here it is. Not just these words. I need to be still. To receive these words. To allow them to penetrate. If I am saying, okay, got to read my chapter for the day. Let's open the book. I got my verses in. Run into the chaos. You know, the, all the interruptions and the emails. And, you know, may, maybe... Fighting traffic may or may not be a part of your life. Certainly is an increasing part of a life. Seems like, you know, this past week was spent probably about five hours stuck in traffic jams between my wife and I. But the chaos, if you don't intentionally stop and be still, how do you think you can take in God's word God's presence find refuge because what am I saying when I'm saying okay God you're in this box and now it's up to me to take care of the rest of the day whose strength am I relying on whose wisdom am I depending on Whose control am I ultimately depending on? And why am I anxious? Let's read together from Philippians chapter 4. God's prescription for anxiety, it doesn't come from a bottle, but it's very effective. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Well worth memorizing. Be careful, or the underlying word here is anxious in Greek. Be anxious for nothing. 
full of care. Do not be full of care. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. God's prescription for anxiety. You have a choice. You can stay out in the thunderstorm. You can try to face the lightning on yourself, shaking your fist at the skies while you're getting drenched. You, you can try to control your failing health, a failing society. You can try to be God, but you're not big enough. Or you can choose to turn to God. You can choose to take refuge. You can choose to be still and know that not you, but he is God. And as we choose to pray, as we choose to come into God's presence, so we pray not as some sort of rote or, or habit, but we actually consciously connect with the God of the universe and we humble ourselves and we declare our dependence on God. But first, with thanksgiving, as we recognize the goodness of God already in our lives, as we recognize God's generosity as the source of all good gifts in our lives, and every one of us, I don't care how much pain and trouble you have been through, every one of us has reason to be thankful. But what do we focus on? You know, we're naturally drawn to the negative. We're naturally concerned about these things. We focus on potential threats as opposed to already received benefits. We tend to take those for granted. But to, we need to recognize God already is faithful. As we had read in Psalm 46, consider the works of the Lord, consider his goodness, consider his faithfulness. You are not the first person to face challenges as the brother prayed. Yet God's word and God himself has been sufficient to see many through who have faced even greater challenges than you are. So by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, we let our requests be made known unto God in everything. I know there are some, it was perhaps a, a, a I don't know if it was taught or you know unspoken, but I've heard it said by uh, some in the previous generation that they, you know, don't bother God with the small things. There are some things that are too secular, too mundane, too, too small to bother God. That, that's your responsibility. That's not what the Bible says. 
That's not biblical. He said, in everything. If it's producing anxiety in your life, then you're not taking God's response here, God's prescribed prescription. And you're not in that thing coming to God and making your requests known. Does that mean that, you know, okay, God provide for my family while I sit and do nothing? That's not a valid request. Scripture clearly tells me that it's my responsibility to, to provide for my family, but I'm going to be depending on God for the strength, the opportunity, the, you know, the, the ability to do so. It is a collaboration in that sense that God is providing the strength and I still need to, to choose. But in everything, I can come to God. There is nothing to, nothing that God says, that's not my problem. God is willing to enter into every one of our struggles. And when, when we take God at his word, when we believe God, when we believe not only that he can, that he has the power, that he ultimately is able to save you and protect you and give you the strength, whatever circumstance, no matter how scary and beyond your ability, it's not beyond his. And when we have the faith to believe that he cares, that he can and he cares, when we believe that he loves us, he has our best mind, and when I do come to him, and when I do make my requests known to him, that he is not going to turn a deaf ear, a cold shoulder, that he will be present, a very present help in the trouble I feel. Then the peace of God. Then the stillness comes inside. It doesn't stay out there in Algonquin. It comes inside my heart. It comes inside my head. The peace of God that passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, I have some responsibility there. The next verse goes on to say, Finally, brother, whatsoever things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, good report of virtue, praise, that I need to filter what I think on. Another very important part of our prescription for anxiety from God. What do I allow myself to think on? Even about each other. When it's talking about good report, lovely. Um, there may be things that are true. There may be things we don't know are true, but we still think about them. 
There's lots of things that are manipulated and biased and, and maybe make me feel good about myself compared to other people, but don't meet the Philippians 4.8 criteria. And I have to cut off those thoughts. They do not allow for the peace of God to keep my heart and my mind. They disturb the peace and the stillness inside of me. We remember Jesus in the midst of a storm. Chaos. He actually was sleeping in the back of the boat, in the bottom where he, he said, the disciples were stressed out. They were anxious. They thought they were going to die. They come to Jesus and say, Master, carest thou not that we perish? Don't, does, don't you care that we're about to die here? How can you possibly be sleeping in the midst of the storm. You see, they were fishermen. They, they, they knew storms. They knew that lake. They knew the capabilities of their boats. They knew their own capabilities. And they knew they were, they were unequal. Their boat and their skill couldn't, was less than the storm. They knew that if it's up to them, they're going under. But Jesus rebuked them. Isn't it rational to be concerned when you're about to sink and water's coming in the boat and the wind and waves are, are, are beyond the capability of, uh, uh, of the tiny vessel you're in? It's rational if you don't believe that Jesus is in the boat with you. You see, we forget. If you're being anxious and burdened and stressed out, there's something in this prescription that you're missing because God's equal to the storm. Jesus stands up, says, Oh, ye of little faith, how long do I have to put up with you? How long must I suffer you? And he said two words to the storm. He said about four or five words to his disciples, two words to the storm. Be still. And that was it. The wind, the waves, instant calm. Instant calm. God can calm the storm of your life in two words. And he's in the boat with you. He's a very present help. But he gets frustrated with me because I forget that. It wears on him that time after time, I'm not reflecting that peace. I'm not, I'm not having that peace that keeps my heart and mind. I'm allowing the chaos into my heart and mind because I am not believing 
that he cares? Carest thou not that we perish? I don't believe that he can. When he actually does it, they're saying, you know, they were there. Now they're afraid. The storm stops. They're on glass water, and now they're afraid. Why? Because they all of a sudden realize they're in the presence of God. He was there the whole time, and they didn't realize it. But if God can calm the storm, and he's with us, why don't we just believe him? Why don't we use what God has given us and pray with thanksgiving? Why don't we filter the thoughts, which means maybe I know, I know it's unhealthy for me to be even worrying about all these things. I don't need to know all the problems in all the world. There is enough for me to focus on who God is and what he wants me to do in the world I live in that I don't need to know and solve the problems in the Middle East and everywhere else. I could do with a lot less of being informed and do a lot more of being on my knees. This pandemic has, has made us really focused on what's going on, what's really going on, and what's going on behind the conspiracies to the, and in all the spin. God's in control. We need, and we can be, a city on a hill. In a world, in a place where half the people are, have debilitating anxiety, you and I have the cure. Let's apply it. Let's use the refuge. Let's allow God to be the God of our boat and to bring that stillness inside as we create stillness that we can consume his living word. God blesses his word.